welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Okay, welcome, my friends, to the Steroids Podcast. First question of today is, Pietro asks... Quick question, Dan. Which way is easier to maintain a muscular and lean physique? Person A who takes one gram of test with 300 milligrams of Tren Ace, or person B who takes one gram of test, one gram of Primobolin, and four IUs of pharmaceutical grade growth hormone per day? Okay, nice, nice question. This is a really juicy question. So I'm going to go with the second option. I actually think it's it's a little stronger. The second option, uh, one gram of Primobolin, that's like pretty damn strong. You know, you're going to be getting serious gains when you're on one gram of Primobolin, which is the same way that 300 milligrams of Trenace is. You're getting like serious gains, but... When you have a gram of test stacked with a gram of primobolin, that's like really strong. And then you add that four, I use a pharma grade growth hormone in there and your cycle is going to be pretty out of control. Like pretty much you're going to be loving it. Like thinking, wow, being on steroids is great. I love this. If you're using this cycle, <laughs> cause you're going to be feeling good. You're going to be feeling great. You're going to be performing great. You're going to feel great when you're out of the gym, in the gym. Uh, there's going to be like no side effects, you know, like uh, as in like mentally bothered or anything like that. No, no, nothing like that. And your body's going to be performing and recovering at a very high level. Everything's going to be great. So I think that that cycle, it's more expensive. It can build more muscle and it's more effective I think the one gram Primo with one gram of test and four I use of human growth hormone per day, I think it would be more effective. You know, it's so arbitrary and strange to have to throw out numbers, but I know that everybody wants me to, or some people at least, want me to throw out a number. So I'd say that if I had to put a percentage on it, I would say, in my opinion, one gram of test stacked with 300 milligrams of trenbolone as a cycle as compared to one gram of test plus one gram of primobolin and four IUs of farm grade human growth hormone as a cycle i would think that that would be roughly 20 percent stronger option two you could the cap the cap on what you're able to do would be maybe 20 percent more uh but, you know, on either of those cycles, you can get huge. I'm talking huge. So there's no issue with either of them. You know, both of those would be a good cycle if you're looking to get really big and be getting huge. Those are good cycles. Next question. Paulo asks... And I saw you talking something about letrozole to block estrogen. So between letrozole, aromacin, and arimidex, which would you advise me? 
And what would be the effective doses, bro? I know already in your cycle you like to have letrozole. Okay. I, I like letrozole because it's so effective. It's stronger. Like one tablet of letrozole is stronger than one tablet of eczemestane, which is stronger than one tablet of arimidex. So that's like how or, in order how they go. Um, the dosages, the normal tablet of letrozole is 2.5 milligrams. The normal dosage of the eczemestane is 25 milligrams per tablet. And the normal dosage of the arimidex is one milligram per tablet. Um, and yeah, that's how it goes. Letrozole is the strongest. Eczemestane is medium strong. And Arimidex is the weakest, but they all work good. They all work good for suppressing estrogen. Um, I personally create a lot of estrogen. Uh, that's the way that my physiology is. So when I take um, more than a gram of testosterone per week or a gram, I have to take, you know, around four or five letrozole tablets per week to deal with the estrogen conversion for that. So like if I took one gram of testosterone or 1.25, so 1,250 milligrams of testosterone per week, um, then I would need to take like, you know, three, four, five tablets, possibly even six tablets of letrozole per week. And, uh, you know, different people uh, convert testosterone to estrogen at different rates than other people. This is one of the things that's super individual because I've also known guys who have used testosterone dosages like that and not even had estrogen symptoms. Like maybe they were a little bit bloated or something, but it, they're fine and they don't, they can, they can just not even run any aromatase inhibitor, no anti-estrogen pill, but most guys do have to run it. And I would say that the average dosage for guys that were uh, running a gram or so 1,000 milligrams, that means one gram of testosterone or a little bit more per week, taking that much injected per week. Um, I would say that the average, the average guy would need two or three tablets of 2.5 milligrams letrozole per week. And I need more like four or five. So I'm on the the high end, personally. So if I'm doing a high testosterone cycle, I like to use letrozole since I'm on the high end. Um, I would definitely have to take on 1,000 milligrams or 1,250 milligrams or 1,500 milligrams of testosterone per week. I would definitely have to take one exomestane tablet, 25 milligrams, every single day if I use that as my anti-estrogen instead of letrozole. Uh, so I, my preference is eczemestane. I like running eczemestane. It makes me feel good. It, it's actually a steroid. It's related to the molecule 4-androstenediol, like the old pro-hormone, 4-AD. It used to be sold, I think, by the brand Ergopharm, and it was sold in G GNC. It was a pro-hormone to testosterone called for androstenedion or for androstenediol uh different versions of it and that hormone that prohormone is very similar to exomestane so when the exomestane which is also a steroid but it's like a this prohormone type steroid it's doesn't have it does have a little bit of anabolic effects just a little bit or yeah uh but it that when the aromatase enzyme finds this stuff, right? Because that enzyme's floating around in your blood. And then the exomestane, when you take the tablet, is also floating around in your blood. And when they find each other, the uh, exomestane, the aromacin, thinks that the... It thinks that the exomestane is testosterone or prohormone to testosterone. And so then when the exomestane binds to it, it then knocks it out and neutralizes the uh, aromatase enzyme so it acts to like attract it and then when it binds with it neutralize it it's kind of like a decoy 
uh, that's the mechanism how the exemestane works. Oh, one thing that I wanted to talk about too was that. So, some people had some some questions about how the aromatase inhibitors work. So, they all work basically on that premise, um, but arimidex and letrozole aren't actually steroid molecules. They're a different type of molecule, and they're yeah. So that's the thing with them. These are very uh, insignificant scientific details that we're discussing right now that don't really matter. But so the only way that science knows that these things work is by doing that aromatase en enzyme knockout thing in the blood that I was talking about, where they seek out or when they come in contact, there's an attraction between the aromatase enzyme in the blood and then the aromatase inhibitor and then they bind and it neutralizes the aromatase enzyme, which means that there's nothing in the blood that converts testosterone into estrogen anymore. Because normally the testosterone molecule binds with the aromatase enzyme and forms estrogen, okay? So the exomestane binds with it instead. Uh, but the thing is, is that it also just reduces estrogen levels in your body without without even the uh, the aromatase enzyme. Now, science doesn't know about this. They can't explain this effect. And, you know, if you ask people, how, how does an aromatase inhibitor work? They will say, you know, not this way. But, you know, for, for people who have experienced aromatase inhibitors and know what they have the effects on, like when we're using steroids, uh, you know, it's not like they've been doing tests, the, these people who, who are testing these drugs in labs. It's not like they're doing tests on steroid users. And so we know that when you take those, it has an immediate effect. When you take any kind of anti-estrogen, it has an immediate effect that comes on within hours. It's not something where like, oh, if your estrogen is high, you're, you're fucked. And when you take the anti-estrogen, like the letrozole or the Rimidex or the exomestane, then it will just reduce the enzyme, but you're gonna be stuck with all the estrogen that already converted. No, it is not like that. We all know that when we take those tablets within hours, the symptoms go down, okay? So it directly attacks that estrogen. You know, people will debate about that because, you know, the science hasn't figured that out yet. You know, they don't know all the ways that drug work, drugs work. But I know that some of these, these science guys, you know, they'll come in here and they'll put up a big fuss about this. Because, you know what, guys, with some of this stuff with bodybuilding, you have to learn that it's not just a science approach. Like, bro science absolutely has a place in this you can observe things happening and know that they're happening and just because science says something else if you disregard it well then you're going to look like those freaking scientists dude those scientists and their followers it's it's fucking pathetic they're like the pharisees to jesus it seriously and that, that also goes for the people that are on the if it fits your macros bandwagon being the end all be all of dieting. That is not true. Um, and you know what? If you, have, if you have experience doing this, you know that that is not true because there is a massive difference, okay, between eating all kinds of shitty food that is not filled with nutrients and then eating food that is like natural and comes unprocessed from the ground and eating animals or animal products and stuff like that that are you know naturally sourced it makes a huge difference in the way that bodybuilding works so some of these some of these people that are that are too into this the science approach you gotta learn that there there is absolutely value in bro science and just because science doesn't know stuff doesn't mean that we bodybuilders haven't found out stuff Okay, so that's that's how I feel about the anti-estrogens. It's not scientific that they actually go in there and reduce estrogen, but we know as bodybuilders in the real world that they have that effect and they start working within hours of taking them. They don't just knock out the enzyme. They reduce the level of estrogen in the body quickly. All right, next question. Uh, Matt asks, how would you compare... A SARM cycle to a test and trend cycle. <laughs> uh, I. <laughs> man, this is a funny question. Uh, man, it's not it's not the same thing. It's not like the same league. OK, uh, that that's all it is to say. OK, 
You know, the SARMs, they work like steroids. They, they work, they attach to your androgen receptors the same way that steroids do. And they stimulate the receptors, right? But they're not steroids. They're not, um, they're not hormone molecules. They're a different type of molecule, okay? But they still go and find the receptor, the androgen receptor, and still attach to it and make, they trick the androgen receptor into thinking it's a steroid. But it isn't really, right? So it produces steroid-like effects. And people who use a lot of SARMs, you know, they get the results that are way more than naturals, right? They don't look like juiced-up monsters. I've never seen a SARM monster walking around, okay? I just haven't. I've never seen this, any monsters where I've been like, oh, my God, he's a SARMs monster. He's, he's a monster on SARMs. Ah, oh, that juiced-up SARMs monster over there. Ah, oh. um never happened never happened so it's it's all about the the roids if you're trying to get huge if you're trying to be like juiced up but if you're trying to get an advantage over natural like it will give you a huge advantage over natural it's nothing like creatine or protein i use them in my own cycles because when i get if i feel toxic or something or like i don't want to use um oral steroids at like high dosages the thing is is that with the testosterone it always works better when you put something else with it it really has synergy whenever you add something to testosterone right so a cycle that i use is like um putting a thousand milligrams of testosterone and then if i am running something like winstrol or anadrol or superdrol and I start to feel sick or like my eyes started to look a little weird. There, There's a thing where your eyes can start to look a little dull or a little bit reddish. And that's a sign that there's trouble going on and you need to stop. So if I do that, um, I can actually have my my health markers go back to normal if I just trade the uh, the steroid out and put the SARM in instead. And it's not liver toxic. And I looked up studies of them because they've been, they got invented by drug companies and they've been being researched since the late nineties. So like right after steroids got made controlled substances in the the last year, the eighties and it's like 1989 or 1990, one of those years, then, uh, then the, the SARMs, they started getting researched as an alternative by drug companies right away. And they've been doing tests on them ever since. And they show that they are, they're tolerated like by the digestive organs a lot better. They don't have to have the same kind of chemical molecules attached to them as oral steroids do to make it pass through the liver. Like the SARMs, they don't stress the liver. So that's what I do. Um, And it's just nice to be able to run testosterone and then get like a, a, you know, it's not as strong as... Uh, running the high testosterone with like 50 milligrams of Winstrol per day added to that, like a thousand milligrams of testosterone and a thousand milligrams of Winstrol, or no, sorry, a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week and 50 milligrams of Winstrol per day, okay? Compared to a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week and 15 milligrams of LGD 4033 SARM, okay? Well, that, that adding that, that SARM, Versus adding that Winstrol, it would have been like half as effective to add the SARM. Um, it would have like that much like firepower and giving me like a boost or advantage in the gym and with building muscle and stuff like that. And then with S23, which seems to me to be stronger, at a little bit higher dosage. At, uh, but I like S23 better than I like LGD4033 because S23 gives me a very strong focus it seems to go right to my brain and give me and also my skin sweating in the gym right after taking it uh and if i take it that day then i'm going to be sweating in the gym hard and it it gives me more of a focused um like aggression feeling emotional outburst feeling and that's on the first day taking it at 30 milligrams per day so i like that one that's my favorite SARM, S23, at 30 to 60 milligrams per day. So 
adding that 30 milligrams or 45 milligrams or 60 milligrams of S23 per day or the LGD4033 um, at like 15 to 20 milligrams per day with my 1,000 milligrams of testosterone is a non-toxic way for me to get more benefits and, you know, a moderate light steroid effect and add it to my cycle without it being toxic to my body. So I'm down with that. I like that. So that's what I think of that. Next question. Young Shane asks, I've run out of Arimidex. I have been having some gyno symptoms, itchy and sensitive nipples. This has been going on for about three weeks. Is it possible to still reverse the effect of gyno with Novadex? If so, what's the pro protocol? Thank you for helping me out. By the way, Dan, love all your content on YouTube. Thanks, young Shane. Yeah, uh, I advise going to my website, bodybuilderinthailand.com. Um, this, this podcast is steroidspodcast.com. Okay. So that's where you guys go to submit questions that you want on the podcast. Leave a comment there. Um, but with bodybuilderinthailand.com, that's my personal website. And on that page, there is a article called how to shrink and get rid of gyno. And it covers the topic extensively. Okay. How to, if you have some gyno, some hard buildup uh, b behind your nipple, it feels like, uh, you know, a good sized marble, a marble sized or bigger uh, frozen peas or something like that back there. How to shrink and get rid of gyno. So you can't like destroy it completely from your body. But if you've already got some of that hard tissue down back there, you can shrink it. And the way that you do that uh, is that you, you got to go off the, the steroids. You got to go off any testosterone or any D-ball or any DECA, really. Anything that makes any testosterone or that makes any estrogen at all or any female hormones at all, you got to go off of it. Uh, and then once you're off of it, then you take the aromatase inhibitor, preferably exemestane, and you take like at least three or four per week, at least three or four per week, you know, maybe maybe even one 25 milligram tablet every single day, you know, because we're, we're trying to do something here. We're trying to shrink this thing in your nipple. And at the same time, you take in Novadex, uh, Tamoxifen, and taking that at like at least 20 milligrams per day at a minimum. But it works better if you can go up to 40 and 60 milligrams per day, especially if you have like a bad case of gyno, like 60 milligrams per day, because you may have to like really nuke that thing. And, and so because these are kind of aggressive dosages, I'm saying like taking a lot of uh, aromatase inhibitor. If you don't have access to exemestane, then you'd have to take like, you know, like four or five letrozole tablets per week in order to get this effect or take... Uh, like one Arimidex every single day or something to get this kind of effect. And then on top of that, being off, this, off the steroids, then you got to be uh, using the Tamoxifen Novadex at 20 to 40 to 60 milligrams per day. And it, you, it nukes that, uh, that tissue, that breast tissue that you've got growing back there because it completely takes all the estrogen out of the body. So estrogen levels are like zip. And then, uh, and then the on top of that, the Novadex goes in there and blocks any stray estrogen or anything that might be going on uh, at the nipple uh, directly right there at the nipple. And that will like kill that tissue. Uh, that tissue needs estrogen to live. And so it shrinks a ton and it shrinks permanently. When you stop doing this, when once it gets shrunk down, you can stop this protocol and it won't come back. Like you just wait and keep doing it until it gets shrunk down. And I mean, you should start getting results, um, after like a week and should have it like shrunk down as much as it can shrink down after like two or three weeks of an aggressive, uh, gyno shrinking protocol like that, how to shrink and get rid of gyno. So some people also ask raloxifene, you know, they're, they're like, oh, I've heard that raloxifene is like 90 times stronger in the nipple or something at blocking estrogen than uh, tamoxifen Novadex. And yeah, it is a little bit stronger. I've used it. I've used, uh, from the pharmacy, both, both types, uh, raloxifene and Novadex. And, uh, you know, the raloxifene really isn't, 
significantly really any stronger. The Novadex is quite a lot cheaper. And also when I, um, I can just increase the dosage and get the same effect as taking the Riloxifene. So there is a little difference, but it's not going to be like some kind of a miracle pill. I think just going the route of the Novadex, like ideally what you want to get is Novadex and Examestane, and these would be the most two principal components. And then I just want to say one other thing too. If your gyno came from Trenbolone or Deca, you're going to have to be using Cabergolin while you're doing this, or Paramipexel while you're doing this. And the dosage of Paramipexel per day that you need if you're doing this, uh, because, okay, the Trenbolone and the Deca gyno is caused by a different mechanism. It's caused by a prolactin mechanism mixed with an estrogen mechanism. But it can kind of even just do it by itself. Uh, and this is more finicky and harder harder to get rid of, okay? But what you have to do for this stuff, for this kind of gyno, is that same estrogen, anti-estrogen protocol discussed before. Plus, you got to add in Pramipexel at about one milligram per day. Um, or half milligram per day, but you have to work up to those dosages in tenth of a milligram increases because it'll make you like so sick and, and throw up um, unless you, you know, move it up like a tenth of a milligram starting with one tenth of a milligram, so 100 micrograms, and then move up to 200 micrograms. And then like maybe like after 10 days, you'll be up to one mil one milligram per day. But that stuff, that stuff can really make you sick. So they use it, they use it in Parkinson's disease for people who are dopamine deficient because dopamine is called anti-prolactin hormone also. It's a counterbalancing hormone. So when dopamine levels or dopamine uh, receptors are stimulated, it brings down estrogen signaling or sorry, prolactin. It brings when those dopamine receptors or levels are high, it brings down prolactin signaling. Okay. And uh, so that's why they use these uh, drugs called prolactin agonists, stimulate the, uh, my bad. Let me go back on that. I'm getting my tongue twisted, getting my tongue twisted. Let's get focused here. So that's why they have the things called the dopamine agonists, like Pramipexel and Cabergolin. Okay. That class of drugs is called dopamine agonist and it, acts to reduce prolactin effects in the body. So Trenbolone and Deca, Gyno, come from this sort of thing. You got to use the Tamoxifen Novadex with the Examestane, with the Cabergolin, okay? Screw the Premipexel. I told you why already, why it sucks, okay? So you don't want to be using that. You want to be using Cabergolin, okay? Cabergolin is also dangerous because it can make uh, heart valve changes in high dosages, or uh, total cumulative lifetime dosage. So it's mostly been studied in studies. I have read that it has been safe, relatively safe, um, up to 1.5 milligrams per week, okay? So keep that in mind when you're using cabergolin, okay? And I am not a doctor, and this is not medical advice, but the normal dosage that is used is 0.5 milligrams one, two, or three times per week with the anti-estrogen protocol that was stated before to get rid of and shrink trend and decagyno, okay? Woo, gyno is a tricky, tricky one. No one wants gyno. No one wants gyno, so it's very important and a good thing we just spent a lot of time on that so that <laughs> everybody can hopefully... Hopefully, uh, you know, not have to wrestle with that. You know, some people have to get surgery if it's big, but usually you can shrink it if it's not very big. So make sure to check out that How to Shrink and Get Rid of Gyno article on bodybuilderinthailand.com. Let's go on to the next question. Next question is from Niall, and he asks, Thanks for answering my last question on the podcast. I have another question for the podcast. Does taking T3 with coffee affect the drug? And he also asks, does front-loading long-acting esters actually make it kick in even faster? Um, yeah, so T3 
T3 has a pretty potent effect on the way your heart feels. And a lot of people that take T3 uh, don't like the feeling of taking that because it makes your heart have some rhythm problems where the rhythm will go kind of weird and it won't be a steady, consistent rhythm. And it can also make it have bouts of pounding where like the, the heart valves are like slamming shut really hard. And you can look down at your chest and you can see your chest going in and out and it can give, it can just be freaky, you know, it can definitely be a bit freaky seeing that and can really cause some anxiety. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, thyroid hormone T3 is a stimulating hormone in the first place. So it can sort of give you a little bit of more anxiety in the first place. And then you're having this heart shit going on, man, that shit is not fun. And then the other thing is that it like, it's so powerful and so powerfully catabolic and like energy consuming that it makes a, it like deactivates the steroids that you're on. So even if you're like running trend and you, and you add in like 50, like 50 micrograms per day of T3 thyroid hormone, like, and you don't change anything, but things were going good before, like your gains will come to like a grinding halt, like any kind of muscle size gains. It's like, this stuff is so powerful. I used to think about it and I'd be like, damn, this little thing, I'd be like on a, a big steroid cycle, right? And I'd be like looking at this little tablet and I'd be like, this tiny little piece of shit has the power to fuck up and overpower all of this other steroids that I'm taking. What the hell is this? Uh, I was like, what the hell is this powerful ass little tablet? Okay. So <laughs> do not underestimate the power of that stuff. T3. Okay. You know, it does not enhance your performance except for if you take it right before an athletic event, because then, then it has, uh, that stimulating effect. Um, but other than that, no, it, you know, it's going to make you weaker. T3 is going to make you weaker. Uh, if you have to take thyroid hormone to speed up your metabolism, because it is real that, you know, if you restrict carbs, your metabolism slows down a lot. And it's mainly because your body stops uh, converting T4 to T3 active thyroid hormone. So T4 is inactive thyroid hormone. It's a pro hormone to T3. And you can get this instead. And, you know, the normal dosages of T3 thyroid hormone is like 25 to 50 milligrams per day. That's the typical dosages used by bodybuilders uh but with uh t4 thyroid hormone the typical dosages used is anywhere from 100 to 200 micrograms per day and uh some even up to 400 micrograms per day but that would be way too much that would be way too much and then when you have that abundance of t4 thyroid hormone in your body then your body converts it at a certain rate and it's just not as harsh it's not as harsh as the taking the actual active T3 and there's less performance, uh, degradement. There's less of a impact on how hard you can train in the gym and, um, how big you can get and how strong you can be and stuff like that. Cause T3 really affects those things. It really makes those things decrease, but T4, it's not as harsh. It's a little bit T4 thyroid hormone is a little bit more forgiving um yeah the the thyroid really does slow down too if you're dieting and you're not eating carbs and when it does that you'll notice like your heart you're like much more calm and your heart is like beating slower all the time and uh but you have like a good steady energy all throughout the day <laughs> that's the way that that uh having the low thyroid makes you feel and then uh so some people like to use thyroid hormone when they're dieting because then they don't have to eat carbs and they can keep on losing fat at a super fast rate, a super high rate. And, uh, they don't really need like cheat meals and things like that to keep their metabolism rolling. They can take the thyroid hormone instead and burn through their fat really quickly. Uh, not need to take refeeds and things like that in order to keep their metabolism up. You'll stop getting hot. If you're eating carbs and you're working out and you're taking steroids, you'll be hot. And your body, like you'll even see it on your skin. Your skin will change color a little bit as if you're a little bit hotter. You'll sweat easier. You'll sweat more in the gym. You'll sweat. You'll be more likely to sweat or heat up, feel hot after you've finished eating. So if you take T3 tablets too, it increases those things.
that's another way that T3 can be very, uh, very uncomfortable. It increases the rate of energy consumption of like every cell in your body. So it makes your cells need to have more oxygen too. So you're like out of breath on T3 thyroid hormone. It makes you feel out of breath and you, you need more oxygen, but your lungs are the same size. And then um, it also heats you up. It increases your body temperature. Like no matter if you're dieting or not, you stay hot all the time as if you were eating carbs all the time and stuff like that. And uh, you can get really hot in the gym and feel like low on oxygen, really hot. And then it can be messing with your heart too and making you have irregular rhythms or have your heart slamming. Like it's not fun stuff. That's why I'm saying like me and, you know, a lot of my guys that I know that, you know, were more on the responsible side or at least trying to be, we're trying to like be realistic and be bodybuilding, but at the same time trying to be as responsible as we can. Um, cause that's my attitude now. That's, that's the way that I feel. Um, most of us, we don't like thyroid hormones. You know, we're not into that, not into T3. Don't believe that it's necessary except for like maybe the last bit before somebody was trying to do a bodybuilding contest. Uh, but no, I don't like that stuff. So that's that's how I feel about T three. <laughs> and coffee, that was your question. Does coffee affect it? Yeah, it makes your heart go more psycho. <laughs> All right, and then uh the answer does does uh front loading long acting esters actually make it kick in even faster? Like trenbolone ananthe or testosterone ananthe. So front loading is when you take double the dosage uh, for one week or two weeks before or at the beginning of a cycle to try and get the, the blood levels of the steroid up in your system really high, really fast. Um, people used to believe that testosterone and anthate took a few weeks to peak and the blood levels of it actually peak only 24 hours and then they're kind of like out of the blood like seven to 14 days after you take that first shot of testosterone and anthate. That's really when you stop feeling uh, the effects from a shot somewhere between like more like 10 to 14 days after the last shot. Um, but the, the blood levels are up really high. But the main reason why you don't feel the effects of a steroid cycle for a few weeks when you first start, or it ramps up the intensity of the steroid cycle for the first, you know, one, two, three weeks, you get an increasing ramp up of intensity and how well the steroids seem to be working. And that's because it takes time for the, the androgen receptor when it gets stimulated on the outside of the muscle cells and the rest of the body's cells by all the extra steroids in your blood that aren't natural or that are being, that are natural testosterone, but being injected from the outside. It takes time for that message to get transported uh, over and over again from the androgen receptor on the outside of the cells into the DNA of the cell, the nucleus, and make these changes in the way it expresses itself. That kind of that kind of process, it doesn't just happen instantly overnight. It gets it happens a bit instantly overnight, but uh, it gets stronger and stronger. And as time goes on, uh, up to a peak around like four or five weeks in, or six weeks in, and of your cycle. So front loading is a way to be trying to get this effect to happen quicker. Um, one way to just get over that is to use short esters like for trenbolone acetate or for testosterone propionate because those the full effects of those kick in after like a week. They just kick way harder because they send these huge, more spiking signals to your uh, to your receptors in your body. There's like a much larger dosage being slammed of milligrams being slammed into your bloodstream at one time it's all released mostly within 24 to 48 hours after taking it instead of being prolonged over two or three weeks uh release like a long ester and anthate so it has a more like whammo whammo shoot effect in your muscles shoot 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 and uh feels feels good i prefer those quick esters but uh 
only if it's pharmaceutical grade, only if it's pharmaceutical grade, because I don't like having any injection problems. That's one of the things that after my, uh, my infection, I said, no more UGL, no more UGL. I'll only inject things that are pharmaceutical grade. I'll take ablet tablets that are UGL. Okay. But I'm not going to inject anything that is not pharmaceutical grade anymore. Cause I'm like, I'm not taking any more chances on infections, shooting some bad shit into my leg or something. What the hell? So <laughs> my first uh, cycle ever, I front loaded. So I, I was doing 600 milligrams of testosterone per week and I front loaded it. I, I shot uh, 600 milligrams of test 400. So 1.5 milliliters of test 400 into each ventral glute on my left and right side to make 1200 milligrams uh, on, that first, on that first shot. And then for the rest of the shots, I just, uh, I just went on, I continued with 600 milligrams per week and, uh, it didn't really do much to be honest. It didn't really, from the cycles that I've run since then and seeing the come up time of the testosterone until the long ester testosterone, mine was test 400 and anthate. Um, it's, it's pretty much the same, whether you front load it or not, pretty much just takes the same amount of time. Same way with like the, the oral steroids, if you take them at low dosages or high dosages to start out, it doesn't really change how fast they come on or how many hours or how many days they take to really have the full effects. Whether you start out with a low dosage or a higher dosage, like the peak effects will be more with the higher dosage, but they both take a, you know, no matter how much you take, it takes a few days to come on. And, you know, with an oral steroid, it's, you're not really going to be feeling it all that much until the third day and then you'll definitely be feeling it on the fifth day and by the seventh day to the tenth day you'll be getting like full peak effects happening with orals that's that's pretty much how they work all right so let's get on to the next question read this here this one is from karthik my arm is very weak how to get bulk Bro, help me, bro. Not rich guys, but I have to move high level in bodybuilding. I know you have the best heart. Help me, bro. <laughs> I read your book. It's awesome, bro. <laughs> All right. If you you got you want to get your arms bigger, so dude, you have to eat a lot of food. That's none of the steroids that you're taking can work uh, effectively unless you're eating a lot of food and. You know, the number one muscle building food is carbohydrates. Like it just is. It doesn't really make a lot of sense scientifically, but if you combine protein at a moderate intake with as many freaking carbohydrates as you can, and yeah, fat will help you gain weight too, but it's not as important to gaining weight and gaining muscle as carbs and protein. So you just eat as much of that, like rice, rice or that's probably the best the best muscle building food right there as long as you have some kind of protein with it each day and having as much of it as possible is like one of the best ways to get bigger so you're gonna have to do that to get your arms bigger and if you do that and you combine it with mm, common or or cycles frequent cycles of 50 milligrams of d-ball per day um with like one shot of testosterone per week or 100 milligrams of anadrol per day, cycles like that with one shot of testosterone per week and doing those cycles commonly for like eight weeks. Um, or you could do something like, because I don't know what kind of gear you have access to and also you're saying you don't have a lot of money. So I'm trying to think of how you could get the biggest for the cheapest. That's why I'm talking about the rice and I'm talking about the orals. Uh, with the low injections because the orals are always cheaper than the injections uh, usually a, a whole cycle of orals of oral steroids in in any country because steroids are kind of the same price all around the world is around 50 us dollars or 75 us dollars for one that's the typical prices that you'll find on the black market for um, what you'll need how much oral steroids you'll need of various types for uh, to do a cycle with it. Um, so if you have access to testosterone though, uh, or DECA, 
or Equipoise or Prima Bolin, which are more expensive, all of those are more expensive, then you could use those um, and you could, and if you had access to a lot of testosterone, then you could take a thousand milligrams, so four milliliters of testosterone per week. And just that is enough. Just that is enough with the, uh, with the eating a ton of rice and some protein, just like shoveling down the rice <laughs> and, uh, uh, just doing that is enough. That's enough steroids. Uh, just a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week. You can get huge, you get huge on that, but it's even better if you can add a couple milliliters or a few hundred milligrams of DECA or Equipoise or Primobolin per week. Or if you could add, if you could do the testosterone, the healthiest way, the healthiest way to do your goal would be if you could do the testosterone, 1,000 milligrams per week, and you could do that a lot of the time, not cycling off too much. And uh, then you take some of those oral steroids, like 30 milligrams of D-ball for eight weeks sometimes, or 50 to 100 milligrams of Anadrol for six to eight weeks sometimes sprinkled in here and there that's how you get big like doing those things if you don't have a lot of money to spend on stuff and you can get super big doing that all right next question is from vins hey bro saw that you use gentropin what are your thoughts on this do you consider gentropin as farm grade human growth hormone or generic yeah gentropin is legit human growth hormone um it's produced in China for the Russian market, uh, for the Russian hospitals. So Russia also produces stuff like Nordytropin and really high-end growth hormone too. Uh, but they do use this gentropin in uh, Russia in hospitals. And that's why the box is in Russian. Uh, but it's produced in China at this facility there called Genentech. And they've been producing growth hormone there at that facility for something something around 20 years or so by now. Maybe a little bit less than that, maybe 15 years. But it's been a long time that they've been producing growth hormone at that facility over there. And they've, uh, they've had a long reputation for doing having all the equipment and scientists and chemists that they need there and making it. So, yeah in my personal experience with gentropin i don't think it's quite as strong actually as as a nordytropin uh in like a nordytropin nordilet pen uh which is the pre-cartridge the pen that is uh it comes in the like a rectangular box and then you open it and there's like a pen inside that looks like an insulin injection pen and that's the nordytropin nordilet pen and you know what in in my opinion um for for hmm for I use of nordytropin probably felt the same as five I use of gentropin per day uh or you know that's really splitting hairs you know it's really hard to say it's really hard to say or maybe the same as six I use of gentropin per day cuz I I do think that the nordytropin is a little bit noticeably strong stronger I do and in tests that I've seen the I don't know the exact number but I remember that the the testing for how much of the 191 amino acid human growth hormone molecule was in the gentropin the percentage was slightly lower it was like two or three percentage points lower if I remember correctly than the nordytropin on the tests so it you know it is produced in China it is real it's not quite as good as top of the line stuff like genotropin or nordytropin which is the best human growth hormone produced in the world but it works and it gives the same effects it doesn't have any added shit effects like if you take generics or something like that uh if you take generics it has all these added shit effects and then it has not the right effects it doesn't work right you'll be so disappointed it's just like not the same and that is an absolute fact. It is not the same. Uh, and everyone knows it. <laughs> everyone who has experience knows that what I'm saying is true. That is a fact. Uh, but the, uh, the, 
the gentropin, it's good, okay? It works, and it doesn't have any added effects. It doesn't have any added bloating. As soon as you start taking it at only like two or two to four IUs per day, right? As soon as you start taking it within three to five days or even two days, your body starts looking different. You just look in the mirror and you're like, what the fuck? And, <laughs> and like the silhouette of your body has changed. Um, I just think that the Nordytropin is the is better at burning fat, though. Like, like yeah, the Gentropin burns a lot of fat, but that Nordytropin, like, rips through fat. It, like, rips through it. You start taking that shit, and it's like, it's just like, kaboom! <laughs> like, a lot of fat gone after only, like, 30 days. Like, a lot. Uh, so... I don't think the gentropin really burns the fat quite so effectively like that, like so shockingly effectively like the nordytropin. But I do think that the gentropin gets you, it still burns fat really well, like really well, uh, but just a little bit less like a freaking thunderbolt like that, like nordytropin. And, but then the way that it makes you big and the way that it makes your food function good and recover from workouts and the way that it gives you a cosmetic effect and separation in your muscles burns fat right at those separation points of the muscles and and makes you look good uh it is comparable uh the only the only difference that i would say between i would just say that nordytropin burns fat better than gentropin other than that i think it's the same um and i think nordytropin it it's kind of a rumor among gym guys, that Nordytropin is the best one for burning fat out of all the different pharma grades, Omnitrope, Serostim, uh, Gen Genotropin, Nordytropin, whatever. It's a, it's a bit of a rumor among gym guys that Nordytropin is the best fat burner. And so other than that, other than the fat burning being better with that, I would say that I notice identical effects from the Gentropin and the Gentropin's fat burning effects still are good. Um, and that's the only differences that I noticed between the gentropin and the nordytropin. So, like it. It's good stuff. All right, next question. Uh, in Muscle We Trust says, Do you think we ever lose sensitivity to testosterone? I'm not talking about other steroids, just pure plain Jane test. I saw someone say that the reason why a certain dose stops working eventually is because myostatin increases so much. It renders the dust ineffective. All right, well, here's the thing. I, to say first, I don't think that we lose sensitivity to testosterone. But as you get more muscle, if you keep on doing cycles with the same dosages, but you get more muscle, it doesn't really do much. So if you're used to getting on cycle and having a lot of strength gains and getting bigger quickly and growing a lot of muscle fast but you're just doing the same old cycles all the time and not increasing the dosages, it starts to get lackluster, man. And you don't build, you don't really build much muscle on it. You just pretty much stay the same. Uh, you're like on that level with that dosage of steroids. And uh, that's what a lot of people think by like, oh, you get insensitive to it because they'll be like, well, I used to run 500 milligrams or 750 milligrams of testosterone uh, with 25 milligrams of Winstrol per day. Uh, and or 20 milligrams of D ball per day, and I would just be like growing like a monster, like a literal monster. And I'd have so much power during my workouts and feel like uh, all the food that I was eating was going right to my muscles, right? But after they get big enough, there's a point where that doesn't really support the muscle in that way anymore. You know, it's more of that dosage is needed to just maintain kind of like good function of those muscles at that size rather than like excellent superhuman function. And so you stop feeling so incredibly strong and progressive and more and more growing muscle all the time uh, using those same dosages. So then guys are like, oh, well, you know, I'm desensitized to it. Uh, but they're not really desensitized to it. They're just bigger now and it doesn't have the same effects for them anymore. It's not enough muscle. It's not enough uh, steroids to give that amount of muscle those super performance enhancing effects. One of the things that people say is that uh, using steroids for a long time or at high doses increases myostatin but it's the opposite in the research that has been done where they actually like measure this with blood tests when they give testosterone injections in humans um, it decreases the level of myostatin in the people's muscles uh, so steroids decrease myostatin and the thing with this is that 
the biggest guys, this is just a fact, the biggest guys who are, are the guys who are on the biggest doses for the longest amounts of time. And they have to be doing the other things correct too. Obviously they have to be doing the training and diet correct, okay? Mainly the diet. But the guys who are on and, and you know, some training, uh, effective training, at least effective training. Um, and then they're on the most dosages, the highest dosages and the most amount of drugs. Well, those are the biggest guys. That's just the way it is. <laughs> That's the way bodybuilding is. So, you know, and those guys don't really go off either. They don't really go off. Their cruise dosages will be like one gram of test and 400 milligrams of DACA or 200 milligrams of trend or something like that. This is real stuff. I'm not kidding you. People on the internet, the internet is so PC about steroid use, but in the real world, what people are using in gyms and what people are using who are on Instagram or YouTube or competing in competitions, they're doing all this stuff I'm talking about. So it, that's when, you know, Jason Blaha talks about people in the bodybuilding he says like just like monstrous drug abuse uh like absurd drug abuse and like a lot of like gay for pay stuff going on and stuff to get especially growth hormone out of all things uh that happens like it's not an exaggeration and it's not like he's just talking out of his ass like when i first started hearing him talking about that that was when i was like how did he get like all this in insider information because i knew it was true already so Guy says some weird things and guy says some uh, little gems. All right. So next question is from Jordan. What dose do you recommend cruising on to maintain gains? Last time I cruised, I was on 200 milligrams testy, which put me at the very top of the normal range. I was thinking 225 to 250 milligrams now that I'm bigger. You know, like I said, some people cruise in the last question. Some people cruise on these obscene dosages and that is what it takes you know it's not even a cruise at all it's it's a you know huge blast but it is a cruise compared to what they're normally running which is you know 5,000 milligrams of testosterone and two grams of trend per week or something like that uh so going <laughs> you know i'm only talking about the most extreme people okay I'm, when i say that understand that i'm talking about the most extreme people that is not common i'm just saying the spectrum of what happens okay what you should cruise on is you should cruise on either half a milliliter or one milliliter of testosterone per week. Long ester testosterone, testosterone enanthate, cypionate, or decanoate. And, you know, that should be 125 to 250 milligrams per week. The way that I do it is I take one cc per week when I do the cruising. When I do the cruising, I take one cc of testosterone per week, okay? That's the dose that has absolutely zero side effects on your health. And when you go off of a steroid cycle, it's not just to like play around and like have this like dandy little going off of steroid cycle time. Obviously you're doing it for a reason because otherwise you'd stay on steroids all the time. Okay. You're doing it to recover. So when you go off of the steroids, either stop taking everything for a little while and then go on the TRT. That's usually what I do is stop, just let everything drain out for a month or two and then start TRT after that uh, for another month or two and then start another cycle. You know, that's the optimal situation for me, personally. Uh, but, you know, 250 milligrams of testosterone is not going to give you a lot of performance enhancement, but it's going to get you back to your normal self. It's going to, you know, you're going to lose some size, and you're not going to be getting so, like, pumped up in the gym, but you're not going to lose a lot of muscle. The actual fiber, it doesn't really go away. It just goes into hi hibernation. And then the next time that you go on cycle, it comes back in like one or two weeks um it, it really like explodes back when you go on cycle the next time if you just stay around 250 milligrams of testosterone per week and you can do that for a long time and when you go back on the cycle even though your muscles start looking like way smaller they're still there they're just shrunk and like in hibernation and then they fill up and explode like crazy really fast when you go back on cycle again you'll see that like in some of my pictures you'll see me like explode like in only like one or two weeks, get bigger and smaller. And you'll see that with a lot of other guys. And, and you know, that that's actually not a bad thing. You know, some guys think, you know, oh, I don't want to be like looking small ever or something like that. But you know what? Like you are harming your health if you're on high dosages of steroids all the time. Like you just are. And it's it's like a ticking, it's like a ticking clock. Like taking those small breaks where you go back to natural and shrink back down 
yeah, when you're not on freaky dosages of steroids, then you don't look so freaky and big and cool. And, you know, then when you get off of those and shrink down like that, that's naturally what happens when you get off of that stuff. And you shrink down a bit and, you know, you feel back to normal. It kind of reminds you, like, what exactly normal feels like. And then, you know, you can get your health back completely because that's not affecting your health negatively. And then, you know, just boost back up, right up big again. And I know that some people... They don't ever want to be small, but if you just do this, it will help you just maintain a more realistic perspective and just remember to, you know, not be too serious about yourself, be able to, um, have a little bit more humility and things like that. Um, and also it will help, it should help your self-esteem, honestly, because you'll just be more in touch with reality instead of, um, you know, constantly using the performance enhancement. And then over time, it's just natural to believe um, if you don't go off cycle, cause a lot of guys don't go off cycle. That's just the way it is. Uh, a lot of guys just don't go off. They just are on for years. They're on for years and they never go off. <laughs> I told you that I'm going to tell you guys the full spectrum of what happens. Cause everybody talks about the PC side of it on the internet. So I'm just telling you about what happens in normal gyms. Okay. Um, so that's that. Um, I think it's always good to cruise on 200 or 250 milligrams of testosterone, one milliliter. And just call it a day at that. And then when you're ready to blow back up, yeah, go on steroids and blow right back up. Um, it's more fun that way anyways. And, uh, yeah, you can maintain your muscle. All right, next question. Last question of the day. Joel asks, super draw at the end of a cut to get freaky look for a few weeks. Or would upping the trend and adding windstraw, what's the best way at the end of a cut to get the best look for a few weeks? Yeah, super draw. So this is super draw's talent, okay? Is hardening the muscles and creating a really hard basically windstraw look while at the same time blowing your muscles up from within uh with fuel storage quickly in only a few days better than any other steroid, even trend. It it will make you get an instant bigger cosmetic effect but also being hard at the same time. Like D-ball, maybe it probably for sure gets you the biggest, the quickest in appearance. D-ball does, but D-ball, uh, it's not real, you know. It's it's not as hard, and well, it's not real as super draw either, but it's more real. And also the D-ball, you'll look watery and swollen, but with the super draw, you'll look hard and dry. So that's the difference in the cosmetic characteristics between the two. And... Uh, super draw will get you, it will allow you to eat more carbs and fill more of those carbs up inside your muscles and make your muscles be very full and pushing out against the skin and the, you know, really pushing out the fibers, pushing out and helping to have a 3d look. It will do that better than any other steroid that there is. Uh, but it will not get quite the, uh, signature look that signature boxy look that trembolone does uh it can approximate it and and mimic it uh but it just uh it just isn't gonna do the same thing you said trembolone combined with winstraw uh combined to super draw and you know the person on the trend and the winstraw you know they're probably gonna look better if they were even if it was one guy doing two cycles of the two You'd probably look better on the wind straw, but the super draw is great. And the super draw, it makes you freaking huge. The super draw guy would be bigger. You eat a lot of carbs with super draw and man, it goes straight, goes straight in to your muscles. And it's like, you can't eat enough and you don't gain fat. It has super good nutrient partitioning effects. And that's at like 20 to 30 milligrams per day of super draw. And you can eat as much food as you can and you cannot gain fat. It's like trend in that way also. Superdraw is one of the strongest steroids. Like other than Trenbolone, Superdraw is like the best steroid. It it's really good because like I said, it makes you look hard too and not watery. And it makes those instant uh appearance effects to your physique where two to three to four or five days into taking it every single lift is stronger by a lot and you keep getting stronger and your muscle fibers feel like freaking steel cords that are indestructible and you have really good feeling in the gym like mentally like dude i can fucking do this 
I can fucking do this. You know, you look at those weights and, you know, it may be pretty heavy, but you're like, I can freaking do this. And then you feel it and you're like, my muscles are made out of steel cords <laughs> and they cannot be broken. <laughs> if you're eating a lot of carbohydrates and you're on Superdrol, 20 to 30 milligrams per day with even just one cc of test, but it works way better with a gram of test like every other steroid, uh, then, you know, it's going to be an experience, dude. On only 20 to 30 milligrams per day, even if you're big, even even if you're a big dude and you're experienced with roids and shit and you're used to running cycles around a gram of testosterone or a gram of steroids, if you do that with 20 to 30 milligrams of Superdrol per day added in, dude, it's an experience. It's like, holy shit, this stuff is insane. Even while you're eating as much food as you possibly can, you still may, and you're getting so full in your muscles like that, you still may actually even lose fat at the same time. It is the most comparable steroid to Trembolone that exists. It is. That is, like, usable. Um, usable for long periods of time and really can make such dramatic changes to someone's appearance. Not just their body, their entire appearance. Within two to three to four weeks of taking it, there can be massive changes made with Superdraw. If you would like your questions to be answered on the steroids podcast go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on instagram until next time <laughs>